Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. A boy's born in Hot Mississippi. Surrounded by four walls that ain't so pretty. His parents give him love and affection to keep him strong. Moving in the right direction. Living just enough. That was Living for the City from Stevie Wonder. Great way to start the programme here. It's Jazz Shapers, of course, on Jazz FM, the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, soul, and blues, alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. My business shaper today, and indeed he's a shaver as well, is Will King. He's the founder of King of Shaves in a pharmacy near you, in a supermarket near you, and if you're like me, it'll be in your bathroom as well. You'll be hearing lots from Will very shortly. In addition to hearing from Will, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business, and on top of all of that, of course, some brilliant music from the shapers of jazz, soul and blues, including Roy Ayers, Bill Withers, and this from Monty Alexander. That was Scamento from the latest album Harlem Kingston Express 2 from Monty Alexander. Will King is my business shaper today. He is the founder of the King of Shaves, the business that I suppose reinvented men's shaving experiences some years ago. Will, thank you very much for joining me. It's my pleasure, Elliot. And it's 21 years ago now. Isn't that amazing? Back in 1993... Hasn't the world changed? The world has changed. In 1993, Gillette were the only people that a man would go to to use uh, to use anything on their faces. Not true anymore. It's not true anymore. I mean, the world has massively changed. When I founded King of Shaves, um, I had a rotary dial phone, a 192 directory inquiries to try and find out information and, um, and, and try to get out there into the world of shaving. And I think if I'd known... Gillette was quite as big as it is, um, maybe I'd have had second thoughts, but I think ignorance was bliss now, back then. You, you, before you came to the world of business, um, you studied mechanical engineering, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you did various other things. I often ask my guests how they came to the idea that they then ended up doing, and indeed, as you said, 21 years later, you're still doing it, even against the beer moth that is now P&G and, and Gillette and so on. What helped you on that journey where did it really begin for you um goodness me so i studied mechanical engineering at portsmouth polytechnic now university of portsmouth wasn't good enough to be a mechanical engineer really wanted to be a yacht designer taught sailing at that time at the national sailing center mum and dad said get off our payroll will you've had enough now um teaching sailing was paying about 15 pounds a week and um, mum and dad being teachers, I actually read um, The Guardian and picked up the media appointment section and rang up to get a job because it said 12K OTE. 
and I didn't know what OTE meant, so I rang up to ask. It's on target earnings, and it was actually turned out to be a sales job selling display advertising over the phone for Marketing Magazine, where Maurice Saatchi cut his teeth back in the day. So I got up to London, picked up the phone 200 times a day, cold-called people, sold them advertising space that, um, for their, their company or their product, and then was quite good at it. I sort of made the effort, 200 calls a day, got headhunted to work for a conference and event production company. That was great fun. People like Nick Ross launching um, products at Brockett Hall with big budgets and all manner of amazing things in the early 90s. And then we had a recession and all those big companies stopped spending um, with small agencies like I worked for. So I was made redundant. And um, basically, that's what took me into product manufacture. I decided I wanted to make something. Secondly, I wanted to be my own boss. I hated shaving. Everybody wore suits and ties then. I always got red, rashy, raw skin. Shaved with an oil, engineering, oil, lubrication. Got it into Harrods. Boom. And the rest, I guess, is sort of history in as much that the timing was right. I had a lot of luck. Um, but but we've grown from that single product to be you know quite a decent sized business these days. And that's a really clear um, exposition of what happened. But at the centre of it, you said something, and it it sounded as if it was just you know water off a duck's back. I wanted to make something. Mm. It's very well that people think I want to make something. Many people listening will want to make something. What was the specific leap that enabled you to go? I'm going to take the issue that I have with shaving, and I'm going to go and source aromas. I'm going to go and find the people. What? enabled you to get up off your bum and actually do it. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. There's two parts to that. First of all, I was quite upset by the decimation of the manufacturing industry in the UK in the 80s when uh, Margaret Thatcher was in and what was happening to the UK as it changed from a manufacturing nation to a financial services nation. All of the Wall Street, greed is good, all that stuff. I grew up with all of that. A TV programme, some of your listeners might remember, Capital City, for example, which um, I remember watching. And um, the second point was having decided I wanted to manufacture something, then... I decided I needed to make something that would genuinely solve a problem. So I sort of basically cast around what problems could I solve. And I guess when you're faced with things that you want to solve, you look at what annoys you. And what annoyed me was I had to shave with an electric razor, a Hitachi that my dad had got me. So I didn't get on with razors and foams and it always got cut. And I thought there must be a better way to shave than this and I guess the engineering bit was that look put shaving oil you can put it on your face and shave with it you can also probably put it in a car engine and it won't seize up do that with shaving foam which is a chemical surfactant currently being used by referees on pitches to keep defenders away from the um, guy taking the the free kick Um, that won't work very well so the jump was to say okay if you can shave with this product and not get razor burn and it works for me that was the business strategy. If it works for me, it should work for many other people who have the same shaving problem as me. And that's what kicked off King of Shaves, that original shaving oil, £300, first year sales at Harrods. Stay with me for much more from Will King, my business shaper today. Time for some music. This is Roy Ayers and everybody loves the sunshine.
That was Roy Ayers with Everybody Loves the Sunshine. Will King is my business shape today, founder of King of Shaves, the, the David that took on the Goliath 21 years ago and is still doing fantastic business. Not so year one, as you said just before. 300 quid's worth of business. That's very bad, Will. Very <laughs> on, on any level. I mean, if you know, if a kid comes home after working for a week with 300 quid, you go, son, I'm not sure. What made you persevere after that absolutely awful start? Okay, so the actual um, sales that got the £300 were just out of Harrods. And basically, when you start off in a business, um, any product service, you want to start at the top and then work your way down. For example, if you launch a product in Primark and you want to end up in Harrods, that's a bit of a challenge. But if you want to launch a product at Harrods and perhaps end up, as we are now, in, in retailers like Tesco or Target in America, you can always come down. And what I wanted to do was to launch King of Shaves, which I'd say is the world's best shave. Gillette might disagree with that. At then the world's best department store and for sure the best known department store, most internationally trafficked. So it was getting a single solo retailer. And then going after the multiples. So the second year sales when we got into Boots, 57,000. Third year, 250,000 when we crocked Tesco. 500,000 fourth year and then 1,250,000, 1997, 98. And what's interesting about what you just said is, A, you still know those numbers, and this is a while ago, and you know them because you've lived those numbers, which I imagine leads me on to my next question, which is when you raise those first few thousand quid... It was really, it was really kind of squeaky whatever time, wasn't it? Because this was it for you. Oh, it was huge. And do you think that yeah. makes a difference, though, when it really it is either it's going to work or I'm going to have to do something completely different? Oh, I mean, at the, at the get-go with King of Shaves, I raised a total of £17,500. So £7,500K for my best friend from Polypat, on the basis that another guy, Herbie, still runs KMI Brands, the company that does Ted Baker fragrances, for example, he put in seven and a half, And they both put it in on the basis the other one would. And then my mum, bless her, teacher, she gave me two and a half thousand pounds out of her pension. And luckily, we were able to repay that on a substantial return on investment down the track, allowed my dad to become a pilot and fly around and do stuff like that. But of course, when you're skinning the game, and then on top of that, credit cards and loans and borrowings and this and everything that I then had to do, of course, it's a squeaky bum time. But the fact that every day I was getting a pain-free shave and all I needed to do was to take it out to thousands, hundreds, thousands, millions of men, then, you know, that was the strategy and it's the strategy today. Hear much more from my business shaper, Will King, um, coming up very shortly. Latest travel, though, in, in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom for your burgeoning business from our programme partners at Mishkondare. Hi, I'm Kevin McCarthy. I'm a corporate lawyer with Mishkondare. One important piece of advice I often give my clients is not to get too disheartened if a deal that they want doesn't happen the first time round. Very often, really successful transactions require a bit of time and they take place on the second or the third or some later iteration. But you know, if the deal doesn't happen the first time you try it, don't be put off, come back. Circumstances change, personnel change. If a deal makes commercial sense, it will still make commercial sense in a year. So don't get disheartened if success doesn't come immediately. I think that's a really important message to remember. And the converse is also true. Don't assume a deal is done until it's actually in the bag. When I first qualified in Scotland, I became a notary at the same time, and every notary in Scotland has a Latin maxim and a stamp which they get at that time. So I carry with me this kind of metal stamp which I put on documents from time to time if required. And my Latin maxim is obesa cantavit, which means the fat lady has sung. And so it's not until I've put that stamp on the papers that it's all done and dusted. 
Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning, 9am sharp here on Jazz FM. If you miss any of the shows, iTunes is the place you need to go. There's over 100 fantastic shapers of business on there and you can listen to their wise and insightful and very honest words to boot. Will King's my business shaper today. He's the man behind the King of Shaves. Um, Luckily for you, your name is indeed King. And maybe (laughs) the whole business wouldn't have ever happened in quite the same way if it wasn't. You talked about those early days. Uh, we were talking earlier about the money and, and it being squeaky bum time. And then and then I was kind of amazed by the fact you knew exactly what your sales were back in those very early years. Building a team around you that could cope with a business that suddenly becomes millions and millions of turnover, that has packaging, that has product development, that has distribution internationally. How did you do that? How did you? When did you start to realise it couldn't just be all about you? Um, so at the start, I did it all. All right, I literally absolutely hand-filled the bottles and did the packaging and the design and everything. But, of course, it, you then need to surround yourself with great people. And it's an art, what I call delegation. I'm a bit soundbitey like that, but delegate to great people. So there was this guy I met, um, Andy Hill. is with me still, 19 years on, um, innovation, production, brand director. He's, he was the guy, when I said I wanted to do this or that or the other, find the packaging, get the filling, um, d- there he would be essentially my COO and in fact that's what he is now my chief operations officer you know Tim Cook to the sort of late Steve Jobs sort of guy and then all the way down the track I've surrounded myself with people who are basically tell me no way more than yes so don't have yay sayers in your business have you know people who are not going to blow smoke up the boss's bottom all of the time and then reward them and look after them and treat them well and in fact most of my team have been with me at king of shaves between 10 to 19 years over that time so it's all about delegation delegate to great people build the team around you and you can then multiply out and beyond that it sounds like you quite like the ride you strike me as someone who quite enjoys the fact it's a bit of a roller coaster. And I only say, and maybe I'm wrong, and you can tell me, no, you've got me completely wrong. Personality, I, I enjoy stability. There have been some really big ups and sort of semi downs in the business. Is it true that you like the roller coaster? And if it is, how do you recover when the down is quite a low one? Goodness me, it, it is a roller coaster. Um, the game I'm actually playing strategically is a long game. Because actually my world is around patents and it's what's happening in the digital space and it's what's happening with technology. It's how people are, for many years recently, until we went peak beard um, a few months ago, growing beards. It's with the huge competitors that we have to deal with, the huge retailers there. And then with regard to the development of our latest Razor Hyperglide, that was me five years ago demerging King of Shades out of the company I'd founded, KMI, which, as I say, does Ted Baker and Fish and brands like that, raising equity to spend all of that money on intellectual property, research and development, as like a big pharmaceutical company would, to develop a blockbuster drug and then launch it, this razor where you can just add water and shave, close your eyes, raise the money, burn the money, and then hopefully come out the other side with a business which has intellectual property protection, that's patents and all of that, out to 2032. And that will then make me, goodness me, I'm 48, nearly 49. So, you know, that's a good long time to look out to then try and build a defensible product-based business with cutting-edge tech. 
find out more about the incredible strategy behind what just seems like a bit of a razor and a bit of oil. It's a lot more than that, as you are hearing. Time for some music. This is Southern Freeze from Sonzera. That was Southern Freeze from Son Zero. Will King's been talking about all sorts of things, um, and very recently, I hope you were listening, was talking about patents and the reality of what he is plotting and planning uh, behind the scenes. To invest in that business, and essentially, as you said, you're behaving like a big farmer, you're, you're kind of out-competing the competition because your competition has very deep pockets. But what they probably don't have, you would argue, is the, the appetite for innovation and the appetite for truly breakthrough. Is that a very personal thing, Will, or is that something you've learnt to use because you know that's going to make the business more money? I think, the, 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 to answer your question, the world we live in now is changing at such a rate that you've got to be changing and adapting with it. And I've always embraced what I guess is a healthy degree of paranoia. Um, maybe that comes from being made redundant and not seeing what was coming down the track and then losing my job. When we um, look at the business and where we're going, if guys have got beards or stubble and they want to shave them, we want to give them the best way to shave them. Historically, it's been with a shaving foam or a gel out of a can or a shaving oil with a razor that you scrape with. What we wanted to do was to launch a razor that you can just add water and shave with so you take that step of buying another product out you can shave in a shower and do it easier and quicker so many people have said oh you're just going to stop people buying your shaving preps the oils and the gels the reality of it is is many millions of p- more people might actually just say oh i'll buy his razor and shave just with water where the market share is coming from the competition and i think my you know what i try to embrace for example shave.com taking bitcoin very recently people go What's Bitcoin? How does it work? Oh, that's the stuff that you used to buy drugs on on the dark net. No, actually, it's a cryptocurrency. It's embraced by techie guys, and we're already selling hundreds of pounds worth of product with people with Bitcoin. Nobody else is close to accepting that online, let alone our competitors. And I'm always trying to look for what the next big thing is going to be, how it's going to impact and how it's going to affect our business. It sounds like at heart, actually, you're a marketing person. Apart from being really into the technology and the product and understanding patents and the role that strategically that can play for your business, you're making some very kind of big plays around, I'm going to have Bitcoin on there. I don't really know it's going to work out, but that's the right thing to do. I'm going to try the waterless um, razor blade. I'm going to have a pretty active Twitter feed. I'm going to do stuff that other people in this space just don't do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a sailing guy, going back to that. And when you're sailing upwind, you have to zigzag into the wind. It's what's called tacking. Um, so I try to tack one way when the competition are going the other way. So it's zag when they zig. And if you always stay close to the other yacht, you can get what's called dirty wind from them. It means your um, sails are disrupted. You don't sail as efficiently through the wind. So what I try to do is to always put myself into a clean airspace with clear blue water and look at what's going on and then hopefully look out to what's coming down the track in five to ten years' time. For example, buying Shave.com for $35 in 1995. That was a good buy. Everybody was going, "What, what, what is this? It's like getting... King of Shaves on Yo, this crazy app that's that's now out and being talked about. Um, why would you do that? Well, who knows what's going to happen with that in the future? So I do try to embrace things early, get in there and sink or swim. 
We'll have our final chat with Will, plus playing a track from Bill Withers. That's coming up after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Bill Withers and Use Me. Just for a few more minutes, Will King is my business shaper today, the founder of King of Shaves, the man with patents going one way, online stuff going the other way, and all sorts of things in between. Over the years, Will, you've obviously worked with some brilliant people. Who stands out and why? Goodness me. Um, I mean, I have to say, people like Andy Hill, who works with me for 19 years, um, Andy Honor, who's the industrial designer who works on um, our razor. I've been lucky enough to come into contact. You know, I will, I'll name check Richard Branson here, only in as much that I've grown up with him and seen what he's done. I think looking out to other people who affect how I look at um, what's going on. Elon Musk, you know, viewed as like Iron Man, what he did with PayPal, making money, then doing Tesla, then doing SpaceX that goes up and comes back from space. And then, of course, his latest um, venture, Solar City, which is solar arrays to power the world from the sun, which is a nuclear fusion reactor. Guys like him, who are clearly looking out years, I try to align myself with those types of people. Um, but at the end of the day, it's people who are around me, and of course, my mum and dad, and my dad, 82, still giving me great inspiration to go out, you know, and change the world in, in the way that I'm able to. Now, strategy, ideas, innovation, changing the world, very different skill sets to the operational reality of delivering a multi-million pound business across different geographies. What advice do you give to people who are trying to do both? Um, You can't spin too many plates, and basically you should spin one plate. Um, I talk a lot about the singularity of brand, product, company purpose. So at the start, of course, as an entrepreneur, you have to spin all the plates because you haven't got any money unless you've raised a lot of seed capital or investment capital. As soon as you've got the momentum going, you then need to hand off the various parts of that business to a top team. And it comes back to the point earlier in the conversation about delegation. And I always hire people I think are better than me. Some of them are, some of them aren't. The ones that aren't maybe go, the ones that are stay. Um, And then with regard to the territories that we're in, the products that we're developing, I always seek out the best expertise. How are we going to do it? For example, we're taking Bitcoin on on Shave.com, working with BitPay, which is essentially a PayPal for Bitcoin, and working with their dev team to make sure that works seamlessly. So I'm always searching for people who are better than me to get them working with me. In terms of, uh, and that it sounds like you've remained true to that, it sounds like you've also remained true to your values, i.e. that you're a pretty grounded guy, you don't take it for granted. You mentioned before, whether it was um, uh, consciously or not, you said, you know, I don't forget how I felt when I was made redundant. Talk to me a little bit about what you're doing with the Gazelle um, uh, uh, colleges and things, because you're giving a lot back, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, coming back to education, both my parents were teachers, um, Tony and Shirley, and I grew up in Lowestoft in Suffolk and went to comprehensive school there. It was quite tough, but I never forgot the importance of knowledge. And in fact, the company I founded was called KMI, and it stood for Knowledge and Merchandising, Inc. That was the company name. 
Um, coming on to Gazelle, Gazelle's a group of further education colleges which are trying to inject an entrepreneurial business, future forward, future facing aesthetic into the courses and what they're teaching. I was with them very recently and I said, what you guys are, are the future educationalists. Obviously, FE colleges are between schools and universities. I went to a poly, now a university, was called a poly-wally. People who go to, let's say, further education establish establishments and study trades, which are very necessary, whether it's bricklaying, whether it's plumbing, whether it's engineering, whatever it happens to be, they're still incredibly important in our society. And you can be a plumber and you can set up a plumbing business and then go on to be a multimillionaire like Charlie Mullins of Pimlico Plumbers. So what I'm putting back into the Gazelle Group is hopefully think big. It's all about the knowledge. University isn't for everybody. Coming out of school, it can be tough, like it was for me, but there's a role for you guys in here. But let's talk about FE being future entrepreneurs, not purely further education. Fantastic stuff. Just before I let you go, Will, it's been really good talking to you. Um, what's your song choice today and why have you chosen it? Um, so my song choice today um, is My Baby Just Cares For Me by Nina Simone. And I'd like to dedicate it to my gorgeous wife, Tiger Savage, um, a huge inspiration to me and the absolute love of my life. Well, that's fantastic. This is your choice. It's Nina Simone and my baby just cares for me. My baby don't care for shows. My baby don't care for clothes. My baby just cares for me. That was Nina Simone and my baby just cares for me. The song choice of my business shaper today, Will King. Talk about a man with focus, with dedication and an absolute keen eye on one big word, innovation. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's 9am next Saturday morning for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meantime, though, stay with us here on Jazz FM. Coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Rea. It's business but it's personal.